The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 3007. We're continuing our series of looks into the individual episodes of the Cassian Andor series. And today, our 7 takeaway breakdown of episode 3 entitled Reckoning is on deck. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, as we've done with the previous two breakdown episodes, we're going to focus on seven main takeaways from this particular episode entitled Reckoning. And we'll start, as we did with the first two, with the flashbacks. Now there are a couple more flashbacks, technically speaking, but for all intents and purposes, this is kind of the same thing as the previous two episodes. We get three specific flashback sequences that tell the rest of the story, and they get those out of the way early because we've got a lot of action to deal with on Ferrix, and we don't want to be breaking up the action with the flashbacks and whatnot. Yes, there are some additional flashbacks at the end as we are intercutting the rest of the journey with Cassian and Luthen and with Marva and Clem and Cassa and Bimo or B2 Emo, I guess. Yeah, you can't say Bimo because it drops the two anyway. So yeah, you get what I mean. But we have those three major scenes where in the first one, Cassa gets into this ship and investigates and sees his reflection possibly maybe for the first time in his life. I think that's possible, but upon seeing it, just starts freaking out and smashing it. Then in the next flashback, we see Marva and Clem. Clem Andor, by the way, according to the credits and B2EMO, they are there to apparently salvage stuff off of this ship and find Casa destroying everything. It's also fun to note that by comparison, Marva is the more adventurous of the Andors. Clem is the one who's warning Marva about you know, the timetable that they're on and who's coming for them and that they're gonna get killed and whatnot. And Marva ultimately makes a surprising and potentially questionable choice. I mean, she's essentially kidnapping Cassa, even though she says that he's going to get killed if they leave him behind. And, you know, she's probably right about that. And it also opens the question to what's going to be the fate of the rest of the Canari kids, including Cassian's sister, for that matter. But be that as it may, they take Cassa with them, and they also get whatever salvage it is they want. You see B2EMO towing that along as they're leaving the ship and they manage to get on the hauler and get out of Dodge. And I think we're done with Canari for season one at the very least because everything that we've seen of Canari in the trailers and teasers and whatnot has been shown in the series so far. So I think we are done with it. Next, let's talk about the corporate security folks, AKA the Blues, as the people on Ferrix call them. They are as bad as we would expect baddies to be. I mean, the way that they ransack Cassian's living space shows you right off the bat that these are not going to be, you know, very strict by the book and very careful kind of law and order officers, right? No, these are people who are definitely going to abuse their authority. And even the way that Cyril tells somebody to shut Marva up and they grab 
her and put a hand over her mouth, right? These are definitely not the kind of people you want to tangle with at all. But they do get a comeuppance in this episode, and as a result of the whole incident, at least half of these security officers are dead, and the majority of the survivors are injured. Certainly, Cyril and Linus are uninjured, and you can imagine that things are going to go very badly for Cyril once the chief inspector finds out what's happened. And we haven't seen <laughs> scenes with Cyril and his mother yet, though we know that that's coming. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, <laughs> knowing that Cyril has probably been fired and maybe facing even worse in terms of like insubordination charges. Who knows what the penalties are going to be under this whole Preox Morlana authority. So yeah, he is in deep poodoo. Next, let's talk about the people on Ferrix who, even though one of the grapplers, the grapplers are the folks that are working in the scrapyard, says that they haven't seen the blues for a while, like it, you know, it's suggested that it's been a long time, they still seem to be ready for bad things to happen. I mean, the whole business where everybody starts like running around to find pieces of metal to start banging on like crazy, that's rather organized. So it suggests that They've had to deal with stuff like this in the past, whether it's from the corporate authority or some other situation that happens. Like, they are used to this kind of mobilization. You see shopkeepers, like, pulling down their shutters and locking up and everybody, like, more or less getting off the streets except for the people who are banging on various metal objects. And whether Marva is serious when she talks about this as a reckoning and when she makes the corpo officers nervous about what happens when the banging stops and whatnot, like that suggestion that she's making is that they've done this before and they've dealt with incursions before and bad things have happened when the banging stops before. So I don't know whether she's just trying to get under the skin of these corpos or if this is actually something that's happened in the past and she's speaking from experience. Certainly some of the corporate security officers back in headquarters have suggested that they have their own way of doing things on Ferrix and they don't necessarily like to mess with the people on Ferrix it seems. So yeah, maybe there is some interesting history that we're gonna find out about. All right, for a fourth thing, let's talk about our mystery man, Luthan Rail. So, Willie's certainly taking a shot. <laughs> Willie's the guy who's chatting him up on that transport, and Willie's working him for sure. At least gets him to crack a smile in the previous episode when he says, yeah, the former shuttle they used to have, like, you'd take a ride and taste it for a week. And that gets a little smile out of Stellan Skarsgård's character there, which is fun. And then there's some other exchange that happens in this episode when they're getting off the shuttlecraft, and Willie says something on his way out, and it gets another little smile from Luthen. But Luthen is very much about business and is very business oriented. When he meets up with Bix, they have their conversation as they're walking along and it does kind of beg a question or two that you know comes back from the previous episode. So we know that Luthen has actually been wanting to meet Cassian. This is what Bix tells Cassian or at least or Cassian says, you said he wanted to meet me. So how much has Bix actually told Luthen about Cassian? Maybe she's had to describe what her operation is, so that way Luthen would feel more comfortable in buying from her. We know that they have some sort of monthly transactional situation happening. And Luthen must also be rather connected in terms of being able to search Imperial databases. Certainly he knows about Cassian, was able to pull up his Imperial prison records and find out that his father was hung in a town square, which 
dovetails with something about the military academy on Corita where he was killed. That's a whole other thing that we talked about when we were discussing the Rogue One Ultimate Visual Guide, and we'll dig into that a little bit more tomorrow. But the other thing has to do with the fact that Luthen is able to take one look at this mysterious NS9 Starpath device and know that it was taken from an Imperial facility in Steergard. We don't have that information from anywhere else. It's not clear that Cassian told Bix that particular detail of information. Bix has certainly told Luthen that Cassian has an NS9 star path to sell, so there's that much. But how does Luthen know where it came from specifically? He didn't get enough of a look at it, I don't think, to be able to determine where it came from. So that suggests that Luthen has some very good sources developed, and he is not at the beginning of his own rebellious journey at this point. A fifth thing that's something we'll want to keep an eye on as the episodes develop is that Luthen has rules, and they are delineated rules. Now, it's probably not the case that really the first rule is that you shouldn't carry anything that you don't control. It just happens that that's the first rule that comes up in his training for Cassian Yandor. It sounds like he is about to start training Cassian in the ways of rebelling and in being a spy and a saboteur and an assassin probably as well. So rule number one is don't carry anything that you don't control, referring to the comm link that allows the corpos to determine where Cassian is hiding out. And second rule is build your exit on the way in, which has to do with Luthen coming with a whole barrel full of explosives somehow on his person. And incidentally, that cane that he's walking around with, when he retracts it before he goes in to the abandoned factory to meet with Cassian, the point of that thing looks very sword-like too. So Luthen is carrying not only a sword cane, but also a blaster and enough explosives to blow a strong metal door as well as blow up a speeder and some sort of device that is able to determine that Cassian has a comm link that can be tracked. I have a feeling that there are going to be more rules given to Cassian as the series goes on and we're probably going to watch for those rules to be implemented in some fashion as the series goes on. As far as Cassian himself, the sixth thing I want to flag is that I don't know that he's necessarily convinced yet. Certainly, Luthen gives him a very strong pitch and says, don't you want to fight these guys for real? But Cassian's main interest at this point in time is getting off the planet and getting away from the corporate security folks. And at this moment, he realizes that Luthen is his only way out. But based on trailers and teasers and so forth, it seems like the sales pitch isn't over yet. Cassian is not completely sold because we'll still need to hear Luthen say, you know, don't you want to fight for something real? I'm paraphrasing. But yeah, there are more instances of this conversation. And when you look at the backgrounds of these conversations, it looks like they are in different places than that abandoned factory as they're having that conversation. So certainly Cassian has chosen the most expedient method of getting away from the heat that's on him. But yeah, there's still more steps for him to take in order to become a part of this rebellion. And the last thing I'll flag for you is just a bit of a fun fact, which has to do with the hauler that we see Marva and Clem piloting at the end of the episode in flashbacks. So this is actually the same hauler, which is now derelict and abandoned, that Cassian is using in the present day for his hideout. And you can especially tell that by the checkerboard pattern on one of the upper compartments and on the fact that Clem has to bang one of the doors of the compartments to make it pop open, which is similar to what Cassian does with one of those compartments in the present day storytelling situation. 
And that's going to do it for our seven takeaway breakdown of Reckoning, which is episode three of the Cassie and Andor series. And that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and/or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.